0: Katie O'Connell and a really, really big shout out to Jacob Ramirez who has become a patron of Sleepy and is active and deployed in the military and says that Sleepy helps him go to sleep at night. So, I want to thank you, Jacob, and with Veterans Day just having happened, I'd also really like to thank anyone else who has served in the military Um, and Yeah, I really hope this show continues to help you get a better night's rest. So thank you, and thank you so much, Jacob. And for anyone who doesn't know, Jacob and all these names that I just read, they are brand new patrons on patreon.com, which is a wonderful site where you can go and support creators of the work that you like. So if the Sleepy Podcast has helped you get a better night's rest, maybe it's become part of your nightly routine, then consider going to patreon.com sleepyradio and donating even a dollar a month. It goes a really long way. At $5 a month, you get access to an entirely additional um, poetry feed with over 50 episodes you have not heard before. Um, but no matter how much you donate, even a dollar, I will read your name in the opening credits of the next show after you do. So again, if you would like to be a part of making this show, go to patreon.com slash radio. Thank you. And as always, the music you're hearing is by my good friend James Lebkowski, and the cover of her sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Tonight, I've got a story from... One of our favorite authors here on Sleepy. Arguably one of uh, our favorite authors in the world. People love her. um, Especially for her book Little Women. And that is Louisa May Alcott. She has such a wonderfully playful, whimsical, yet deep way of writing. That um, makes these seemingly... Simple, extremely relatable characters Just really jump off the page And they're usually really inspiring And yeah, you connect with them deeply Well, there's a really uh, wonderful collection of short stories by her And it's um, the collection is called Aunt Jo's Scrap Bag And the story you're going to be hearing tonight Is a great little story called... Little Marie of Léon. I hope I'm saying Léon right. It's this little town in France. Um, it's about this little girl who lives in that town. Pretty rural place. And it's a fantastic story. So I think you're very much going to enjoy going to sleep to it. So without further ado, this short story. Little Marie of Leon by Louisa May Alcott. You're going to hear this story told once so you can fall asleep, and that's going to repeat itself so you can stay deep asleep. And now's the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes, and let me read to you. Little Marie of Lyon Here comes our pretty little girl, I said to Kate, as we sat resting on the seat beside the footpath that leads from Dinan on the hill to Leon in the valley. Yes, there she was, trotting towards us in her round cap, blue woolen gown, white apron and wooden shoes. On her head was a loaf of buckwheat bread as big as a small wheel in one hand a basket full of green stuff, while the other led an old goat who seemed in no hurry to get home. We had often seen this rosy, bright-eyed child, had nodded to her but never spoken, for she looked rather shy and always seemed in haste. Now the sight of the goat reminded us of an excuse for addressing her. And as she was about to pass, with the respectful little curtsy of the country, my friend said in French, Stay please, I want to speak to you. She stopped at once and stood looking at us under her long eyelashes in a timid yet confiding way, very pretty to see. We want to drink goat's milk every morning. Can you let us have it, little one? Oh yes, mademoiselle. Nanette gives fine milk, but no one has yet engaged her, answered the child, her whole face brightening at the prospect. What name have you? Marie Rosier, mademoiselle. And you live at Lyon? Yes, mademoiselle. Have you parents? Truly yes, of the best. My father has a loom. My mother works in the field and mill with brother Yvonne. And I go to school and care for Nanette and nurse little baby. What school? At the convent, mademoiselle. The good sisters teach us the catechism, also to write and read and sew. I like it much. And Marie glanced at the little prayer in her apron pocket, as if proud to show she could read it. What age have you? Ten years, mademoiselle. You are young to do so much, for we often see you in the market buying and selling, and sometimes digging in your garden there below and bringing water from the river. Do you love work as well as school? Ah, no. But Mademoiselle knows it is necessary to work. Everyone does, and I'm glad to do my part. Yvonne works much harder than I, and the father sits all day at his loom, yet he is sick and suffers much. Yes, I am truly glad to help. And little Marie settled the big low as if quite ready to bear her share of the burdens. Shall we go and see your father about the go? And if he agrees, will you bring the milk fresh and warm every morning? I asked, thinking that a sight of that blooming face would brighten our days for us. Oh yes. I always do it for the ladies, and you will find the milk quite fresh and warm. Eh, Nanette? Marie laughed as she pulled the goat from the hedge where she was nibbling the young leaves. We followed the child as she went clattering down the stony path, and soon came into the narrow street bounded on one side by the row of low stone houses and on the other by the green wet meadow full of willows and the rapid mill stream. All along this side of the road sat women and children, stripping the bark from willow twigs to be used in basket-making. A busy sight and a cheerful one, but the women gossiped in their high, clear voices. The children sang and laughed. And the babies crept about as freely as young lambs. We found Marie's home, a very poor one. Only two rooms in the little hut. The lower one with its earthen floor. Beds in the wall, smoky fire. And single window where the loom stood. Add it sat a pale dark man who stopped work as we entered and seemed glad to rest while we talked to him or rather while Kate did for I could not understand his odd French and preferred to watch Marie during the making of the bargain. Yvonne, a stout lad of twelve was cutting up brush with an old sickle and little baby looking like a Dutch doll in her tiny round cap, tight blue gown and bits of sabbets, clung to Marie as she got the supper. I wondered what the children at home would have said to such a supper. A few cabbage leaves made the soup, and this, with the dry black bread and a sip of sour wine, was all they had. There were no plates or bowls, just little hollow places in the heavy wooden table near the edge, and into these fixed cups Marie ladled the soup, giving each a wooden spoon from a queer rack in the middle. The kettle stood at one end, the big loaf lay at the other, and all stood around eating out of their little troughs with Nanette and a rough dog close by to receive any crust that might be left. Presently, the mother came in, a true Breton woman, rosy and robust, neat and cheery. Although her poor clothes were patched all over, her hands more rough and worn with hard work than any I ever saw, and the fine hair under her picturesque cap, gray at 30 with much care. I saw then where Marie got the brightness that seemed to shine in every feature of her little face, for the mother's coming was like a ray of sunshine in that dark place, and she had a friendly word and look for everyone. Our little arrangement was soon made, and we left them all smiling and nodding as if the few francs we were to pay would be a fortune to them. Early next morning, we were wakened by Francois, the maid, who came up to announce that the goat's milk had arrived. Then we heard a queer, quick tapping sound on the stairs, and to our great amusement, Lynette walked into the room, straight up to my bedside and, stood there looking at me with her mild yellow eyes as if she was quite used to seeing nightcaps Marie followed with a pretty little bowl in her hand and said laughing at our surprise see dear mademoiselle in this way I make sure that the milk is quite fresh and warm and kneeling down she milked the bowl full in a twinkling while Nene quietly chewed her cut and sniffed at a plate of rolls on the table. The warm draught was delicious, and we drank each our portion with much merriment. It is our custom, said Francois, who stood by with her arms folded and looked on in a lofty manner. What had you for your own breakfast, I asked, as I caught Marie's eye hungrily fixed on the rolls and some tempting little cakes of chocolate left at our lunch the day before. My good bread, as usual, mademoiselle. Also sorrel salad and... and water, answered Marie, as if trying to make the most of her scanty meal. you eat the rolls and put the chocolate in your pocket to nibble at school you must be tired with this long walk so early she hesitated but could not resist and said in a low tone as she held the bread in her hand without eating it would mademoiselle be angry if i took it to bebe she has never tasted the beautiful white bread and it would please her much. I emptied the plate into her basket, ducked in the chocolate, and added a gay picture for baby, which unexpected treasures caused Marie to clasp her hands and turn quite red with delight. After that, she came daily, and we had merry times with old Nanette and her little mistress whom we soon learned to love, so busy, blithe, and grateful was she. We soon found a new way to employ her, for the boy who drove our donkey did not suit us, and we got the donkey woman to let us have Marie in the afternoon when her lessons were done. She liked that, and so did we, for she seemed to understand the nature of donkeys, and could manage them without so much beating and shouting as the boy thought necessary. Such pleasant drives we have, we two big women in the droll wagon, drawn by the little grey donkey that looked as if made of an old trunk. So rusty and rough was he as he went trotting along, his long ears wagging and his small hoofs clattering over the fine hard road while Marie sat on the shaft with a long whip, talking and laughing, and giving Andre a poke now and then, crying, ee, E hoopla, to make him go. We found her a capital little guide and storyteller, for her grandmother had told her all the tales and legends of the neighborhood, and it was very pleasant to hear her repeat them, in pretty peasant French as we sat among the ruins while Kate sketched I took notes and Marie held the big parasol over us some of these stones were charming at least as she told them with her little face changing from gay to sad as she gesticulated most dramatically the romance of Gil de Bretagne was one of her favorites. How he carried off his child wife when she was only twelve. How he was imprisoned and poisoned, and at last left to starve in a dungeon, and would stand at his window crying, Bread, bread, for the love of God. Yet no one dare give him any. Till a poor peasant woman went in the night, and gave him half of her black loaf. Not once, but every night for six months, though she robbed her children to do it. And when he was dying, it was she who took a priest to him, that he might confess through the bars of his cell. So good, ah, so good, this poor woman. It is beautiful to hear of that, mademoiselle. Little Mary would say, with her black eyes full and her lips trembling. But the story she liked best of all was about the peasant girl and her grandmother. See then, dear ladies, it was in this way. In the time of the Great War, many poor people were shot because it was feared they would burn the chateaus. In one of these so sad parties being driven, the St. Mallow, the Bisha, was this young girl. Only fifteen dear ladies. Behold how young this is. And see the brave thing that she did. With her went the old grandmother whom she loved next to the good God. They went slowly. She was so old. And one of the officers who guarded them had pity on the pretty girl and said to her as they were a little apart from the rest Come, you are young and can run I will save you It is a pity so fine a little girl should be shot Then she was glad and thanked him much saying And the grandmother also You will save her with me It is impossible, says the officer. She is too old to run. I can save but one, and her life is nearly over. Let her go, and do you fly into the next wood. I will not betray you, and when we come up with the game, it will be too late to find you. Then the great temptation of Satan came to this girl. She had no wish to suffer, but she could not leave the good old grandmare to die alone. She wept, she prayed, and the saints gave her courage. No, I will not go, she said, and in the morning at St. Malo, she was shot with the old mother in her arms. Could you do that for your grandmare, I once asked, as she stopped for breath because this tale always excited her. She crossed herself devoutly and answered with fire in her eyes and a resolute gesture of her little brown hands. I should try, Mademoiselle. I think she would, and succeed too, for she was a brave and tender-hearted child as she soon after proved. A long drought parched the whole country that summer and the gardens suffered much especially the little plats in Leon for most of them were on the steep hillside behind the huts. And unless it rained water had to be carried out from the stream below. The cabbages and onions on which these poor people depend when fresh salads were gone were dying in the baked earth, and a hard winter was before them if this little store failed. The priests prayed for rain in the churches, and long processions streamed out of the gates to visit the old stone cross called called the Croix de Saint-Esprit. And kneeling there in the crowds, the people implored the blessing of rain to save their harvest, We felt great pity for them, but liked little Marie's way of praying best. She did not come one morning, but sent her brother, who only laughed, and said Marie had hurt her foot when we inquired for her. Anxious to know if she was really ill, we went to see her in the afternoon and heard her pretty little story of practical Christianity. Marie lay asleep on her mother's bed in the wall, and her father, sitting by her, told the tale in a low voice, pausing now and then to look at her, as if his little daughter had done something to be proud of. It seems that in the village there was an old woman, frightfully disfigured by fire, and not quite as sane as the people thought. She was harmless, but never showed herself by day, and only came out at night to work in her garden or take the air. Many of the ignorant peasants feared her, however, for the country abounds in fairy legends and strange tales of ghosts and goblins. But the more charitable left bread at her door and took in return the hose she knit or the thread she spun. During the drought, it was observed that her garden, though the steepest and stoniest, was never dry. Her cabbages flourished, and when her neighbors withered, then her onions stood up green and tall as if some special rain spirit watched over them. People wondered and shook their heads, but could not explain it. For Mother Lobano was too infirm to carry much water up the steep path and who would help her unless some of her own goblin friends did it. This idea was suggested by the story of a peasant returning late at night who had seen something white flitting to and fro in the garden patch and when he called to it saw it vanish most mysteriously This made quite a stir in town. Others watched also, saw the white phantom in the starlight, and could not tell where it went when it vanished behind the chestnut trees on the hill. Till one man, braver than the rest, hid himself behind these trees and discovered the mystery. The sprite was Marie and her little ship who stepped out of the window of the lot where she slept, onto a bough of the tree, then thence to the hill, for the house was built so close against the bank that it was but a step from garret to garden, as they say in Morlaix. In trying to escape from his inquisitive neighbor, Marie heard her foot, but was caught and confessed that it was she who went at night to water poor Mother Lobano's cabbages. Because if they failed, the old woman might starve, and no one else remembered her destitute and helpless state. The good-hearted people were much touched by this silent sermon on loving one's neighbor as oneself. Marie was called the Little Saint intended carefully by all the good women. Just as the story ended, she woke up, and at first seemed inclined to hide under the bedclothes. But we had her out in a minute, and presently she was laughing over her good deed with a true child's enjoyment of a bit of roguery, saying in her simple way, Yes, it was so droll to go running about in shimmy like the girl in the tail of the Midsummer Eve where she pulls the St. Jean's wort flower and has her wish to hear all the creatures talk. I liked it much, and Yvonne slept so like the dormouse that he never heard me creep in and out. It was hard to bring much water, but the poor cabbages were so glad, and Mother Lobano felt that all had not forgotten her. We took care that little Saint Marie was not forgotten, and quite well, and all ready for her confirmation when the day came. This is a pretty sight and for her sake we went to the old church of St. Savior to see her. It was a bright spring day, and the gardens were full of early flowers, the quaint streets gay with proud fathers and mothers in holiday dress, and flocks of strangers pausing to see the long procession of little girls with white caps and veils, gloves and gowns, prayer books and rosaries, winding through the sunny square into the shadowy church with chanting and candles, garlands and crosses. The old priest was too ill to perform the service, but the young one who took his place announced, after it was over, that if they would pass the house, the good old man would bless them from his balcony. That was the best of all and a sweet sight, as the feeble, fatherly old priest leaned from his easy chair to stretch his trembling hands over the little flock, so like a bed of snowdrops, while the bright eyes and rosy faces looked reverently up at him, and the fresh voices chanted their responses as the curly heads under the long veils bowed and passed by. we learned afterwards that our Marie had been called in and praised for her secret charity, a great honor, because the good priest was much beloved by all his flock and took a most paternal interest in the little ones. That was almost the last we saw of our little friend, for we left Dinan soon after, bidding the Lyon family goodbye and leaving certain warm souvenirs for winter time. Marie cried and clung to us at parting, then smiled like an April day, and waved her hand as we went away, never expecting to see her anymore. But the next morning, just as we were stepping on board the steamer to go down the ranch to St. Malo, we saw a little white cap come bobbing through the marketplace, down the steep street, and presently, Marie appeared with two great bunches of pale yellow primroses and wild blue hyacinths in one hand, while the other held her sabots, that she might run the faster. Rosy and smiling and breathless with haste, she came racing to us, crying. Behold my souvenir for the dear ladies, I do not cry now, no, I am glad the day is so fine, bon voyage, bon voyage. We thanked and kissed and left her on the shore, bravely trying not to cry, as she waved her wooden shoes and kissed her hand till we were out of sight and had nothing but the soft colors and sweet breath of our nosegays to remind us of little Marie of Leon. Little Marie of Leon Here comes our pretty little girl, I said to Kate, as we sat resting on the seat beside the footpath that leads from Dinan on the hill to Leon in the valley. Yes, there she was, trotting towards us in her round cap, blue woolen gown, white apron, and wooden shoes. On her head was a loaf of buckwheat bread as big as a small wheel, in one hand a basket full of green stuff, while the other led an old goat who seemed in no hurry to get home. We had often seen this rosy, bright-eyed child, had nodded to her, but never spoken, for she looked rather shy, and always seemed in haste. Now the sight of the goat reminded us of an excuse for addressing her, and as she was about to pass, with the respectful little curtsy of the country, my friend said in French, Stay, please. I want to speak to you. She stopped at once and stood looking at us under her long eyelashes in a timid yet confiding way, very pretty to see. We want to drink goat's milk every morning. Can you let us have it, little one? Oh, yes, mademoiselle. Nanette gives fine milk, but no one has yet engaged her, answered the child, her whole face brightening at the prospect. What name have you? Marie Rosier, Mademoiselle. And you live at Lyon? Yes, Mademoiselle. Have you parents? Truly yes, of the best. My father has a loom, my mother works in the field and mill with brother Yvonne, and I go to school and care for Nanette and nurse little Bebe. What school? At the convent, mademoiselle. The good sisters teach us the catechism, also to write and read and sew. I like it much. And Marie glanced at the little prayer in her apron pocket, as if proud to show she could read it. What age have you? Ten years, mademoiselle. You are young to do so much, for we often see you in the market buying and selling, and sometimes digging in your garden there below, and bringing water from the river, Do you love work as well as school? Ah, no. But Mademoiselle knows it is necessary to work. Everyone does. And I'm glad to do my part. Yvonne works much harder than I. And the father sits all day at his loom. Yet he is sick and suffers much. Yes, I am truly glad to help and little Marie settled the big low, as if quite ready to bear her share of the burdens. Shall we go and see your father about the go? And if he agrees, will you bring the milk, fresh and warm every morning, I asked, thinking that a sight of that blooming face would brighten our days for us. Oh yes, I always do it for the ladies, and you will find the milk quite fresh and warm. Eh, Nanette? Marie laughed as she pulled the goat from the hedge where she was nibbling the young leaves. We followed the child as she went clattering down the stony path and soon came into the narrow street bounded on one side by the row of low stone houses and on the other, by the green wet meadow full of willows and the rapid mill stream. All along this side of the road sat women and children, stripping the bark from willow twigs to be used in basket making. A busy sight and a cheerful one, but the women gossiped in their high clear voices. The children sang and laughed and the babies crept about as freely as young lambs. We found Marie's home, a very poor one. Only two rooms in the little hut, the lower one with its earthen floor, beds in the wall, smoky fire, and single window where the loom stood. Add sat a pale dark man who stopped work as we entered and seemed glad to rest while we talked to him or rather while Kate did for I could not understand his odd French and preferred to watch Marie during the making of the bargain Yvonne a stout lad of twelve was cutting up brush with an old sickle and little baby looking like a Dutch doll in her tiny round cap, tight blue gown and bits of sabots clung to Marie as she got the supper. I wondered what the children at home would have said to such a supper. A few cabbage leaves made the soup, and this, with the dry black bread and a sip of sour wine, was all they had. There were no plates or bowls, just little hollow places in the heavy wooden table near the edge, and into these fixed cups Marie ladled the soup, giving each a wooden spoon from a queer rack in the middle. The kettle stood at one end, the big loaf lay at the other, and all stood round eating out of their little troughs with Nana and a rough dog close by to receive any crust that might be left. Presently, the mother came in, a true Breton woman, rosy and robust, neat and cheery. Although her poor clothes were patched all over, her hands more rough and worn with hard work than any I ever saw, and the fine hair under her picturesque cap, gray at 30 with much care. I saw then where Marie got the brightness that seemed to shine in every feature of her little face, for the mother's coming was like a ray of sunshine in that dark place, and she had a friendly word and look for everyone. Our little arrangement was soon made, and we left them all smiling and nodding, as if the few francs we were to pay would be a fortune to them. Early next morning, we were wakened by Francois, the maid, who came up to announce that the goat's milk had arrived. Then we heard a queer, quick tapping sound on the stairs, and to our great amusement, Lynette walked into the room, straight up to my bedside and, stood there looking at me with her mild yellow eyes as if she was quite used to seeing nightcaps. Marie followed with a pretty little bowl in her hand and said, laughing at our surprise, See, dear Mademoiselle, in this way I make sure that the milk is quite fresh and warm. And kneeling down, she milked the bowl full in a twinkling while Nene quietly chewed her cut and sniffed at a plate of rolls on the table. The warm draught was delicious, and we drank each our portion with much merriment. It is our custom, said Francois, who stood by with her arms folded and looked on in a lofty manner. What had you for your own breakfast, I asked, as I caught Marie's eye, hungrily fixed on the rolls and some tempting little cakes of chocolate left at our lunch the day before. My good bread, as usual, mademoiselle. Also sorrel salad and... And water, answered Marie, as if trying to make the most of her scanty meal. Will you eat the rolls and put the chocolate in your pocket to nibble at school? You must be tired with this long walk so early. She hesitated but could not resist and said in a low tone as she held the bread in her hand without eating it. Would Mademoiselle be angry if I took it to Bebe? She has never tasted the beautiful white bread. And it would please her much. I emptied the plate into her basket, ducked in the chocolate, and added a gay picture for baby, which unexpected treasures caused Marie to clasp her hands and turn quite red with delight. After that, she came daily, and we had merry times with old Nanette and her little mistress whom we soon learned to love, so busy, blithe, and grateful was she. We soon found a new way to employ her, for the boy who drove our donkey did not suit us, and we got the donkey woman to let us have Marie in the afternoon when her lessons were done. She liked that, and so did we, for she seemed to understand the nature of donkeys, and could manage them without so much beating and shouting as the boy thought necessary. Such pleasant drives we have, we two big women in the droll wagon, drawn by the little grey donkey that looked as if made of an old trunk. So rusty and rough was he as he went trotting along, his long ears wagging and his small hoofs clattering over the fine hard road. Marie sat on the shaft with a long whip, talking and laughing, and giving Andre a poke now and then, crying, ee, ee, hoopla, to make him go. We found her a capital little guide and storyteller, for her grandmother had told her all the tales and legends of the neighborhood, and it was very pleasant to hear her repeat them in pretty, peasant French as we sat among the ruins while Kate sketched. I took notes and Marie held the big parasol over us. Some of these stones were charming, at least as she told them, with her little face changing from gay to sad as she gesticulated most dramatically. The romance of Gil de Bretagne was one of her favorites. How he carried off his child wife when she was only twelve. How he was imprisoned and poisoned, and at last left to starve in a dungeon, and would stand at his window crying, Bread, bread, for the love of God. Yet no one dare give him any. Till a poor peasant woman went in the night, and gave him half of her black loaf. Not once, but every night for six months, though she robbed her children to do it. And when he was dying, it was she who took a priest to him, that he might confess through the bars of his cell. So good, ah, so good, this poor woman. It is beautiful to hear of that, mademoiselle. Little Mary would say, with her black eyes full and her lips trembling. But the story she liked best of all was about the peasant girl and her grandmother. See then, dear ladies, it was in this way. In the time of the Great War, many poor people were shot because it was feared they would burn the chateaus. In one of these so sad parties being driven, the St. Mallow, the Bishah, was this young girl. Only fifteen dear ladies. Behold how young this is. And see the brave thing that she did. With her went the old grandmother whom she loved next to the good God. They went slowly. She was so old. And one of the officers who guarded them had pity on the pretty girl and said to her as they were a little apart from the rest, Come, you are young and can run. I will save you. It is a pity so fine a little girl should be shot. Then she was glad and thanked him much, saying, And the grandmother also. You will save her with me. It is impossible, says the officer. She is too old to run. I can save but one, and her life is nearly over. Let her go, and do you fly into the next wood. I will not betray you, and when we come up with the game, it will be too late to find you. Then the great temptation of Satan came to this girl. She had no wish to suffer, but she could not leave the good old grandmare to die alone. She wept, she prayed, and the saints gave her courage. No, I will not go, she said, and in the morning, at St. Malo, she was shot with the old mother in her arms. Could you do that for your grandmare? I once asked, as she stopped for breath because this tale always excited her. She crossed herself devoutly and answered with fire in her eyes and a resolute gesture of her little brown hands. I should try, Mademoiselle. I think she would, and succeed too, for she was a brave and tender-hearted child, as she soon after proved. A long drought parched the whole country that summer and the gardens suffered much especially the little plats in Leon for most of them were on the steep hillside behind the huts and unless it rained water had to be carried out from the stream below The cabbages and onions on which these poor people depend when fresh salads were gone were dying in the baked earth, and a hard winter was before them if this little store failed. The priests prayed for rain in the churches, and long processions streamed out of the gates to visit the old stone cross called called the Croix de Saint-Esprit. And kneeling there in the crowds, the people implored the blessing of rain to save their harvest. We felt great pity for them, but liked little Marie's way of praying best. She did not come one morning, but sent her brother, who only laughed, and said Marie had hurt her foot when we inquired for her. Anxious to know if she was really ill, we went to see her in the afternoon and heard a pretty little story of practical Christianity. Marie lay asleep on her mother's bed in the wall and her father, sitting by her, told the tale in a low voice, pausing now and then to look at her as if his little daughter had done something to be proud of. It seems that in the village there was an old woman, frightfully disfigured by fire and not quite as sane as the people thought. She was harmless, but never showed herself by day and only came out at night to work in her garden or take the air. Many of the ignorant peasants feared her, however, for the country abounds in fairy legends and strange tales of ghosts and goblins. But the more charitable left bread at her door and took in return the hose she knit or the thread she spun. During the drought, it was observed that her garden, though the steepest and stoniest, was never dry. Her cabbages flourished, and when her neighbors withered, then her onions stood up green and tall as if some special rain spirit watched over them. People wondered and shook their heads, but could not explain it. For Mother lobano was too infirm to carry much water up the steep path and who would help her unless some of her own goblin friends did it this idea was suggested by the story of a peasant returning late at night who had seen something white flitting to and fro in the garden patch and when he called to it saw it vanish most mysteriously This made quite a stir in town. Others watched also, saw the white phantom in the starlight, and could not tell where it went when it vanished behind the chestnut trees on the hill. Till one man, braver than the rest, hid himself behind these trees and discovered the mystery. The sprite was Marie in her little ship who stepped out of the window of the lot where she slept onto a bough of the tree, and thence to the hill, for the house was built so close against the bank that it was but a step from garret to garden, as they say in Mollet. In trying to escape from his inquisitive neighbor, Marie hurt her foot, but was caught and confessed that it was she who went at night to water poor Mother Lobano's cabbages. Because if they failed, the old woman might starve, and no one else remembered her destitute and helpless state. The good-hearted people were much touched by this silent sermon on loving one's neighbor as oneself. Marie was called the Little Saint intended carefully by all the good women. Just as the story ended, she woke up, and at first seemed inclined to hide under the bedclothes. But we had her out in a minute, and presently she was laughing over her good deed, with a true child's enjoyment of a bit of roguery, saying in her simple way, Yes, it was so droll to go running about in shimmy like the girl in the tail of the Midsummer Eve where she pulls the St. Jean's wort flower and has her wish to hear all the creatures talk. I liked it much, and Yvonne slept so like the dormouse that he never heard me creep in and out. It was hard to bring much water, but the poor cabbages were so glad, and Mother lobano felt that all had not forgotten her. We took care that little Saint Marie was not forgotten, and quite well, and all ready for her confirmation when the day came. This is a pretty sight and for her sake we went to the old church of St. Savior to see her. It was a bright spring day, and the gardens were full of early flowers, the quaint streets gay with proud fathers and mothers in holiday dress, and flocks of strangers pausing to see the long procession of little girls with white caps and veils, gloves and gowns, prayer books and rosaries, winding through the sunny square, into the shadowy church with chanting and candles, garlands, and crosses. The old priest was too ill to perform the service, but the young one who took his place announced, after it was over, that if they would pass the house, the good old man would bless them from his balcony. That was the best of all and a sweet sight, as the feeble, fatherly old priest leaned from his easy chair to stretch his trembling hands over the little flock, so like a bed of snowdrops, while the bright eyes and rosy faces looked reverently up at him, and the fresh voices chanted their responses as the curly heads under the long veils bowed and passed by. we learned afterwards that our Marie had been called in and praised for her secret charity, a great honor, because the good priest was much beloved by all his flock and took a most paternal interest in the little ones. That was almost the last we saw of our little friend, for we left Dinan soon after, bidding the Lion family goodbye and leaving certain warm souvenirs for winter time. Marie cried and clung to us at parting, then smiled like an April day, and waved her hand as we went away, never expecting to see her anymore. But the next morning, just as we were stepping on board the steamer to go down the ranch to St. Malo, We saw a little white cap come bobbing through the marketplace, down the steep street, and presently, Marie appeared with two great bunches of pale yellow primroses and wild blue hyacinths in one hand, while the other held her sabots, that she might run the faster. Rosy and smiling and breathless with haste, she came racing to us, crying. Behold my souvenir for the dear ladies. I do not cry now. No, I am glad the day is so fine. Bon voyage, bon voyage. We thanked and kissed and left her on the shore, bravely trying not to cry, as she waved her wooden shoes and kissed her hand till we were out of sight that had nothing but the soft colors and sweet breath of our nosegays to remind us of little Marie of Leon. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.